Liverpool Rugby Podcast, the podcast that focuses on the England rugby team and the Aviva Premiership. Let's go talk. Hello everyone, welcome back or welcome for the first time if it's your new listener. Um, the Crash Ball Rugby Podcast focuses on, as you've heard, England Rugby Team and the Aviva Premiership. We are a website, we are a social media channel, so you can go and check us out there while you're listening um, or at another time. So it's crashballrugby.com or just Crash Ball Rugby across various social media. So as there's no England news or England action this week, we're going to talk about the Aviva Premiership round 19. Uh, all the games that happen there, we're going to preview next week's games and talk about the table as we get to the business end of the season. So let's get stuck in. Uh, Sale versus Wasps, our first game of the week, Friday night. So uh, 28-27 to Sale, real last minute thriller there. Marlon Yard crossing the left-hand corner for that victory. Uh, two yellow cards for Wasps throughout their game. So for Cipriani and Haskell, you've got to say that probably had quite a blow on their, on their chances of a victory. Um, while we're mentioning Cipriani, I just want to say really hope he's doing all right. He was uh, knocked out cold, for those who didn't see, in the last few minutes. Collision between himself, Clerk, and Dan Robson. He was on the ground for quite a while, went off on a stretcher, and I understand he went straight to hospital afterwards. Hoping he's all right, hoping there's no long-lasting issues from that head injuries like that can be nasty so fingers crossed hope you're doing well Danny so into the rugby itself as we said a real last minute thriller there from uh, from sale with that yard try Mike Haley giving the killer pass to saw the victory uh, a, a tough game overall for for wasps they uh, they lost the game up front really sale had dominant collisions all over the park uh, John Ross Josh Strauss in particular were just breaking down that game line, getting offloads after contact, and that's where the game was won, really. Um, Sale have often this season, it, it, it's been their counter-attack that's, that see them get over the line, that see them vaunted for a lot of their big victories, but it really was the pack that fronted up this week, and it's a real credit to the, some of the recruitment Steve Diamond's done over the summer. Wasps, on the other hand, now there's plenty of cash going around that squad, uh, more so in the back line than the forwards, really, and have had a fair few injuries. So they had Tommy Taylor on the bench, their first choice hooker coming back from injury, so he couldn't start yet. So they're missing Ashley Johnson, who is a big, meaty forward, who uh, who tends to do a lot of their hard yards. Matt Mullen was making his first start back from injury, and they're missing a good few back rowers, including England number eight, Nathan Hughes. So it's it's a tough one for them. They, they're, on a, they're on a tough game on Friday. The AJ Bell Stadium is notoriously difficult to go away to. Sale have a great record there, um, much better than on the road. So um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's tough for Wasps. They are starting to throw some of these games away though. They really need to try and address that issue if they're going to really mount a challenge for the title this year. They almost seem to have gone backwards since making the final against Exeter last season. It's going to be, it's going to be tough to see them lifting the trophy and they've got to, the first thing I'll do, they've actually got to make sure they finish in the top four. There's so much competition in there at the moment. There's only a few points separating the, uh, I think, between third and sixth place. So we'll talk about the table in a bit more depth later, but um, they are now, they've made a very tough task for themselves to make sure they get into the top four. Sell, on the other hand, I think really now the best they can hope for is ensuring they have Champions Cup rugby. Mathematically, they can make the top four, but it does seem unlikely. Um, they've got a few, a good few injuries themselves, mainly in the centres. They lost James O'Connor 
early doors to a fractured foot. So they had to do some shuffling in a back line there. They're already missing their number one 12, Mark Jennings. He's down injured. So it's it's tough for them. They've got a good few men out. And now recently, Denny Solomona is now banned for three weeks. So they are looking a little bit short in the backs. They need um, maybe a little bit more squad depth in the forwards, uh, but that's going to be uh, ahead of next season. We'll see if Steve Diamond can can get a few more signings over the summer. So if we move on to the Saturday fixtures now. So the televised fixture was the clash at Twickenham, Bath versus Leicester. So Bath 19, Leicester 34. This will be a really disappointing result for Bath fans. Uh, yet again, they've gone down in the game. They could realistically have won. And um, Tigers are having their usual late charge to the top four at the end of the season. So they're now sitting in third place. Not comfortably, but they've got themselves in there. Um, Bath yet again had a really disappointing result. They've had these performances so far this season, but they've been up and down a little bit. But on Saturday, they were just down. It's been a while. They're in a bit of a low patch. They've got some serious quality in that squad, but they just can't seem to uh, see to, to get it together. Uh, admittedly, they are they are missing a lot of their first choice first choice props and front rowers, which will make a difference around the park and in the scrum. But realistically, with the likes of Francois Lowe, Salope Falatau, Charlie Yules, Reese Priestland, Matt Banahan, Jonathan Joseph, the list goes on. They've got so many talented players in that squad. They're just not performing. Seems like there's something wrong with their mentality. I've mentioned it before on the podcast and in articles, but um they really are struggling, Bath. They're not quite as uh, not quite as uh, as low as Harlequins are at the moment, but um they need to find something to get themselves together. And imagine Todd Blackadder is under some pressure as their director of rugby. Is he going to be able to keep his job by the end of the season? Is he going to make it past next season if he isn't taken out of the uh, of the picture at the end of the year? It's um, tough questions for Bath at the moment. It's it's a real shame to see a squad with so much quality struggling struggling so much. On paper, that squad should be well ahead if it likes to sell Sharks and Newcastle Falcons but they're wallowing down eighth place. So they need to get things together. They need to turn it around, whether they need new signings, whether they need a head coach to come in underneath Todd Blackadder to uh, to maybe just refresh things a little bit, get them in the right place. I'm not sure what exactly the solution is, but it seems a mentality thing. It seems a mindset. They need to get someone in. They need to change up because there is so much quality in that squad that's being wasted. And it's a real shame to see. So Leicester Tigers, they are having their usual end-of-season run to form into the playoffs. This is classic. This is kind of what we expect from them. But um, I think what's really impressive is the fact that you've got someone like Ellis Genge coming back in his first start after shoulder surgery. And he was an absolute menace in the scrum. He saw Bath's tight head Sean Knight off the field with a yellow card. He nearly saw their replacement tight head off the field as well. Now, he wasn't quite as threatening around the park as usual. He wasn't making those bullocking runs. He wasn't making breaks and chewing up those yards. But um, but that scrummaging effort was unbelievable. And fortunately for Tigers, he is fit firing along with the rest of their squad. And they're going to they're gonna go ahead and they're going to really try and cement a spot in those playoffs again. I think it's been something like over 15 years or nearly 15 years now where they've been in the top four spot consecutively. It's a hell of a run. And after their early season form, where all seem to be going to pot, they're really picking it up. So um, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of their season goes when they get a couple of their players back fit again. But um, things are looking up for Leicester at the moment. So we had, a, we had three of the games on Saturday, all not televised. So we'll run through a few of those. 
So first of all, the uh, the one that's getting scoreboards and stats thrown around social media was Saints and Saracens. So Saints went down to Saracens 13 points to 63. This was the fourth time this season they've considered over 50 points to Saracens and the second time they've considered over 60. Things are not looking great at Saints at the moment. They had a real, real beating in that second half. Um, I think if you didn't see the game... What I think Saints need a little bit of credit here because in the first half, they were really impressive. They, they were holding their own and actually they should have been ahead if not for a bit of a brain fart from Tamina Harrison over the line. He had an open, open grass. All he has to do is catch the pass from Meyer and dot down. But for whatever reason, a pass that nine times out of 10 would have been in the hands and over the line, knocked it straight over into the dead ball area. It's just one of those things. Um, it didn't make a difference overall in the standings, but... They could have been ahead at half time. So I think it's things aren't quite as bad as many Saints fans seem to think at Saints at um in Northampton. There's plenty of quality in that squad. It it it's it's the mentality again. I talk about this a lot. So it's the same with Bath, really. There's something going on in the mentality there. So they lost their director of rugby earlier in the year. Jim Malander was was a, so he 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 left after their poor form. They've now had the news that Dora and West is leaving at the end of the season, but they've also got a really talented coach called Chris Boyd coming in from the Hurricanes, New Zealander. So they've got plenty to work with. You look at those foundations that have set in that first half. If they continue in the same form and hadn't dropped in the face of a you know an impressive Saracen side, they could have well have gone and made that a reasonable a reasonable score. Maybe not a victory, but um you know it, it wouldn't have quite been this demoralising defeat again. They just uh, they just need to get things get things sorted get get their houses in order. I think once Chris Boyd gets there, once he has a chance to implement his systems, take stock of what he's got there, I think Saints are going to have a pretty quick turnaround. I think um, they're not in as bad a situation as some other teams in the Premiership at the moment. So I think they just need to um, we need to tamper their their result in the face of that issue and in the face of that Saracens come back. They've got pretty much all of their England players back. Um, they've got the, stre- uh, not the stress. They've got the frustration of missing out of any further European competition, and a lot of their England contingent are really hurting from that Six Nations campaign. There was a lot of energy, a lot of emotion unloaded on Saints there, so that maybe made it look a little bit worse than it would have been if this was a run of the middle, middle of middle of the season fixture. Saracens themselves, as I said, they really unleashed that emotional emotional baggage on Saints yesterday. I had a, you had a couple of players missing, so Marcelo Bosch at thirteen wasn't there. So they had their second choice fly half, Alex Lazowski, playing at outside centre, who was really really impressive. He was making line breaks for fun, solid in defence, and setting up quite a nice bit of distribution for the rest of the players outside him. He's looking good there, Lazowski. Saracens are looking good overall, even though they're missing Benny Vonopoga in the back row. Jackson Ray is doing an excellent job back there, getting them over the game line. Do you think that once they get Billy back over, they only have to they only have to worry and focus on the Premiership this season? You're looking at Chiefs now and thinking actually they're not quite as nailed on favourites as we once thought. Saracens are going to have a really really nice charge in this season, and if they can piece together performances like they had in that second half at Franklin's Gardens on Saturday, they could easily end up being the favourites before the finals began. So our next fixture on Saturday. So this is where there's a team I think are in a worse situation than the Saints. Harlequins. They went down 5-35 to 35 to the team that's looking most likely to be relegated to London Irish. Really, really disappointing for Harlequins fans. I've seen a lot of long, long-term long um, 
journalists who've seen Harlequins for many, many years now say that this is the worst performance they have ever seen from them, which sounds about right on paper. You look at the uh, look at the England players they've got in that squad. Joe Marler, Carl Sinclair, Chris Robshaw, Danny Kerr, Mike Brown all started and they lost by 30 points to Irish. That is an issue. Now, Irish have been looking much better in recent weeks and I have been touting a bit of a comeback for them. But to lose by 30 is embarrassing for Harlequins. Again, I'm banging on. I sound, I sound like I'm a one-trick pony here, but it all comes down to mentality. You mean you look, you look at the, you look at the players they've got there. There's some serious quality in there, and that. And I was just talking about that England nationals. They've got so many up-and-coming players: Jack Clifford, Marcus Smith. There's plenty of quality there. You have to question maybe is John Kingston the man to take him ahead? It was a bit of an underwhelming replacement there. So it's a. Uh, you you, you got to wonder, with this new all-black link they've got, are they going to bring in a New Zealander coach that's going to come in and he's going to earn some money abroad and take charge of Harlequins? Because they need something. Whatever John Kingston is doing, it's not enough. Questions are being asked. He seems like a great guy and maybe a guy that's great at managing a squad from above. But as a head coach, director of rugby, things are not looking bright to Harlequins at the moment and it needs to turn things around sharpish if they don't want to end up being relegated next season because Bristol are coming up and they've got a hell of a lot of good signings and they've also got Pat Lamb at the helm who we know can do great things. He turned Connacht around around, and they went from being the joke of the Irish system to winning the Pro 12 title. So on the subject of Irish, let's talk about London Irish. So a really great victory for them. It is still looking very unlikely they're, manage, they're going to manage to stay in the premiership. They probably are going to go down in place of Bristol. But it's promising signs for them. They're making a real late charge. They're really fighting for something. I think a lot of that has to do with Declan Kidney and Les Kiss coming in as coaches. They seem to have, uh, their experience seems to have just given something to this Irish side, this mentality. They're going for it. They're confident. They've got a couple of mid-season signings that are really getting them going. And this is going to be really useful for them to at least at least take the pride away that knowing they weren't completely embarrassed in the Premiership. They got close. And actually, if everything went their way, it is looking extremely unlikely, considering they have to play Saracens and Exeter. But crazy things happen in sport. And if Saracens and Exeter has some stinkers, and that London Irish can have some good results. And if Worcester have some awful results, you never know, we might see a last-minute switch around and Worcester Warriors end up being the team going down. I mean, there's plenty of quality in that Irish side. Seeing them up another year, it wouldn't be the worst thing. So our next fixture on Saturday was Worcester Warriors against Newcastle Falcons. Now, going into this fixture, Newcastle were in fourth place. They were enjoying their best season for over a decade. They were looking really strong. Worcester, on the other hand, were bereft of a lot of their best players through injury, and they also came back off the back of, it, off the back of a really heavy loss to South Sharks. So the final score in the end was Worcester 27, Newcastle 13. On paper, when you look at the scoreboard, it looks like Worcester had a late comeback after being under the pump for most of the game. They scored 21 points in the last 17 minutes to win. Unanswered points, Newcastle seemed to, they just couldn't have, they didn't have the answer. Now, in the actual game, Worcester had the ascendancy for most of the first half. They were really taking it to Newcastle. And despite the fact they were missing Donico, Callahan, Francois Hugard, Ryan Mills, they really stood up and they were taking charge of the game. Returning open side, Sam Lewis has to take some credit here. He, he did a really good job of keeping a side in the front foot and being a bit of a pest for the Falcons. 
But overall, I think Worcester just need to be commended for this victory because they were seriously missing some, some quality and they still managed to take the victory. They, uh, they they did a job to make sure that London Irish couldn't get too much closer just despite their brilliant win against Harlequins. So it's um it, it's positive signs for Worcester in terms of their, their ambitions for the season. It's not great for Newcastle. They were looking like they were probably odds on to, to be one of the top four by the end of the season. But a loss to the 11th place side is a big blow. That's the kind of game that if you want to be in the top four, that's the kind of game you need to win if you want to be taken seriously as title contenders. So perhaps this isn't the year for Newcastle, but it's the first year they've been up in the top four for, as we said, over a decade. It's not a big drama. They've got plenty to build on. They need to work off the back of this season and come back and really compete again. They've got a squad full of seriously quality players and they're probably, you'd imagine, not, they're not too short of change considering they haven't got that many big names in that squad. They've got some seriously quality players and they've got a really wide base of players to choose from, but there's not too many international stars. So it'll be interesting to see what changes, if any, they make to that playing squad. Okay, so we move on to the final game of the weekend, Exeter Chiefs versus Gloucester. So that was 46 points for Exeter and 10 for Gloucester. That was ugly viewing if you're a Gloucester fan. There was a, it was, you got to say at times, Gloucester really impressed me. Their defence was monumental in that first half. There was some brilliant line speed and also a couple of excellent covering tackles to stop some potential tries. It's, it, there's not much you can do when Exeter Chiefs have 83% possession and 88% territory as they have in that first half. Gloucester, really, it it's tough for them to win against the English champions. Exeter are in such fine form at the moment. They've got the England players back. They're in high spirits. This was always up against Gloucester, really. Um, the big problem for them is they couldn't hold on to territory or possession. When they had the ball, it was an endless run of knock-ons and all sorts of errors that just handed possession and territory straight back to Exeter. Perhaps it's tough to see Gloucester even winning that if they hadn't had all those issues. But even then, those basic errors that it seemed like that had gone from the Gloucester game. When Johan Ackerman came in and he took over as the head coach, he seemed to stamp out this cliche of a pulling a Gloucester of capitulating when you were you were so close to winning a game that seemed to have gone but today we saw some of that mentality creep back in and they just they couldn't they couldn't continue in the way they've been doing so far this season now the strange thing is at the beginning of both halves they had tries or near tries it was it wasn't even a minute on the scoreboard but before Henry Trinder was over the try line it's a shame that his foot wasn't touched that would have been the perfect start for them in the second half, Mott Atkinson burst through a Thomas, ta- Thomas Francis tackle and put substitutes from half. Callum Brady over for a score. They started off really well in both halves. They just couldn't continue. They couldn't hold on to their position. They couldn't execute. Inaccuracy was the name of the day, I think, for Gloucester fans. And for Exeter, Exeter did what they did. If you give them that much ball, that much territory, there isn't any side in Europe that can stop that. We saw how close they ran Leinster at the Aviva Stadium. If on that day Exeter had had that much possession and territory, different result, 100%. So Exeter are going to go ahead now. They've got three more games before the end of the season, before the, the end of the regular season anyway, before they enter the playoffs. It's pretty tough to see anyone knocking them off top spot or even see them losing a home semi-final. 
They're in some seriously strong form at the moment. They've got such a wide player squad. They've got, got so many individuals that aren't internationals, but are playing just as well as them. You look at Ollie Woodburn, Joe Simmons, Donny Hill, Don Armand, Dave Ewers. The list is endless, and that's none of their England players. You then add in Jack Knoll, Henry Slade, Alec Hepburn, Luke Cowan-Dickey, Harry Williams, the tight head prop, is going to return from injury soon. The, the money... The money to quality ratio in that squad is amazing. And Rob Baxter has has to be hands down the best director of rugby in the premiership at the moment. They've kind of usurped Saracens at the top of the English table there. Saracens for so long were that that team that was just churning things out at the top, but now it's Exeter and they are looking very, very strong. As for Gloucester, I think it's gonna be it, it it's mathematically again. It's realistic that they could make it into the top four, but it's not looking likely. I think they should just probably be happy with how far they've come since last year where they've where they've got to under Johan Ackerman. They've got plenty to build on for next season. They can go ahead and like Newcastle Falcons, they can they can enjoy the experience of this season just gone, of having that success but not quite getting there. So they're gonna go ahead next season and they're gonna really give it a go. Again, like I said with Falcons, you never know they could have a stormer from here on out and maybe crack into the top four if everything goes their way. It's not looking likely but the way they were playing in the earlier in the season, they've got some serious potential. Okay, so before we move on to some news that's just come up, uh, just been brought to my attention, we're going to run through the t- the, uh, the table as it stands. Okay, so in first place, Exeter Chiefs are holding strong. We've then got Saracens in second, so those two are going to have home semi-finals if they stay there. Leicester Tigers are in third and Wasps in fourth, so there's a two away semi-finals there if they can hold on. Newcastle Falcons are fifth, Sail Sharks at sixth, and Gloucester Rugby is seventh. The most uh, the most impressive thing here is between Gloucester in seventh and Leicester Tigers in third, there is only a five point difference. Leicester Tigers at fifty six, Gloucester at fifty one. This is getting tight. Any of those sides could could flip the tables and end up in the playoff spot if the results go their way. But um, it's going to mean some real late season drama here. It's going to be really good viewing for us. Okay, so down there we're looking at eighth place now. So Bath Rugby are in eighth. You then got Harlequins at ninth, Northampton Saints at tenth, Worcester at eleventh, and London Irish at twelfth. Uh, Irish are looking unlikely to make it above Worcester and try and retain their Premiership status. But you never know. This is getting a little bit hot in that relegation zone. It's going to be interesting viewing. Okay, so just onto some news that's been brought to my attention here. So Dylan Hartley, England's captain, his spot on the South African tour is allegedly in jeopardy. He is still struggling with some concussion issues, so there is a chance that he might not be able to make the tour this summer because of those issues. Hopefully, it's it's never nice to hear a player struggling from those symptoms, so hoping that's not going to leave any lasting damage and that he gets over that quickly for Saints' end-of-season run-in and um, potentially England's tour to South Africa. Now... In terms of England's England's uh, squad, this may not actually be the worst thing. Um, England, are, they are going to blood some new players here. They're going to give some more more caps to those who only have a little bit of experience on the international scene. Jones has already said he wants to rest the majority, if not all, of his Lions players. So you never know. This could mean there is no Jamie George or Dylan Hartley on the tour this summer, which means that opens up the door for Luke Cowan, Dickie, a Tommy Taylor, or Tom Dunn, a new face that can come in and see if they can if they can bring something to the England team that they don't currently have. 
Now, having said that, at the same time, one of England's biggest issues has been a lack of leadership. And if they don't have their captain on this three-match tour, you never know, that could be absolute mayhem for England. That could mean the difference between a 3-0 victory and a 3-0 loss if, uh, if, if the captaincy issue really is that significant. Now, South Africa are on the rise again, and it looks like they're going to be able to select all their overseas players. So they are going to be a lot stronger on the side than we've played recently. But um, yeah, this it, it it's hard to decide whether this would be a positive or a negative for England. Most likely it would only be a negative, but then at least we'll be able to see some some new players blooded. But uh, we'll keep track of that, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep checking on this. So if you uh, head out and follow us on social media, or just listen to the podcast next week, and we'll see how that news develops. Okay, so on to next week's fixtures. So round 20, um, Friday night we kick off with Newcastle Falcons versus Sale. That's at Newcastle. Um, so for my money, that's a Newcastle victory at home. They may have come back off the back of a really disappointing loss against Worcester, but Sale on the road are a very different prospect and Newcastle are on some artificial surface. So Newcastle for me. Moving on to our Saturday fixtures, we're going to start off with a really big game here. Big Midlands Derby, Leicester versus Saints. Now, this usually presents plenty of drama, plenty of cards, plenty of entertainment. It's obviously looking like Leicester are going to take this victory, considering where Saints are on the table and their uh, their struggles of recent times. Um, but uh, hopefully it's a bit more competitive. Hopefully we can see more of that Saints from that first half, from that second half, and at least make it the usual dramatic, the usual competitive Midlands Derby that we enjoy so much each year. So on to our next fixture, Gloucester versus Harlequins. So this one's at King's Home. Uh, Harlequins are struggling a lot, um, it, it, so it's not looking likely they're going to take the victory here. It's, it's going to make Gloucester win. Um, they've got a lot of their players still fit and firing despite their extra result. So... Uh, Gloucester victory for me, and let's see if Harlequins can can try and save some face and give some restore some faith with their fans with a with a confidence showing next week. So the last fixture on Saturday, we've got Wasps versus Worcester at the Rico. Wasps win for me there. Worcester may have gotten a good victory over Newcastle, but uh, I think it's a little bit too much quality in that Wasps squad. So moving on to Sunday, we've got two victories on Sunday this weekend. Uh, Irish versus Exeter at the Medeski. Um, yeah, I mean, Irish in 12th place, Exeter in 1st. There's only one result here, really. But Irish need to make sure they can stay competitive, maybe see if they can get a losing bonus point or two there to really keep applying the pressure to Worcester and keep that relegation zone nice and competitive. Our final fixture of the weekend. So we've got Saracens versus Bath at Allianz Park. Again, this is another matchup here of a team high flying and a team that's really not in a good place at the moment. It's going to be a Saracens victory. It's hard to see anything else. But hopefully for Bath, what they need now, same with Irish, they really need to try and up their performance this week. It doesn't matter if they get a loss, really, because ideally it, it's not looking like they're going to get anywhere near the top four they can maybe push for champions cup rugby but it's uh it's stacked up against them Bath need to again as harlequins as irish do they need to restore some face with their fans they need to have a confidence performance they need to be, need to be competitive we'll see some good rugby from them they're gonna have some of their best players back after having some time returned so francois Lowe is going to come back in now after having that 80 minute run out at twickenham he should be leading on from the front and hopefully we'll see a much improved bath side 
Now, Saracens, they need to make sure that they maintain the kind of level they showed against Saints. They need to get their players firing, and perhaps they might even have Billy Manapola back. I know I said last week I thought they were going to be back this weekend. Apparently not. We'll see if Billy can get back, see if he's recovered from that fractured forearm, because he's going to go a long way to getting them over the line in those playoffs. Okay, so uh, we're going to move on to the last portion of the or the podcast now. We can take some questions that you have all very kindly sent to us on social media. So first up, we've got Alex Barston. He asks, do you think the Leicester are genuine contenders after a five-win streak? Um, I definitely do. Yeah, I'm not sure about contenders from the t- for the title. I don't see that happening, but I can definitely see them in that top four. They're probably going to, if they do make that top four, they're going to have to play either extra Saracens. And for me, that's one-way traffic. He also asks, so Alex also asks, uh, who are in a bigger mess, Saints or Quins? For me, hands down, Quins. Something wrong there. Something's not right. They haven't got the coaching setups. You wonder whether they've even got the foundations given some of their performances. With Saints, you look at that first 40, and that really is the benchmark for them. You look at that, and there is quality there. They can go ahead and they can lead a side like Saracens at half time. They've got stuff there. It's only going to take a few tweaks, and actually, just the arrival of Chris Boyd is going to have a big impact. And I think we're going to see a big jump up in their performance when he arrives. So for me, 100%, Quinn's are in a bigger hole. They've got some serious problems that I'm not even sure where they stem from. But let's see how that develops and see what changes, if any changes, they make over the summer. So our next question comes in from one of our Irish listeners, Jen Ryan. So Jen asks, will X to go all the way this season? I have a feeling this this question might be uh, something to do with a certain Mr. Henry Slade, but um, Exeter, I can see them going all the way this season, um, all the way to the final. That is, I'm not so sure they uh, they can guarantee a victory in the final if they face up against Saracens. Again, as I said, when Saracens don't have both Europe and the Premiership to focus on, they are going to be a serious, serious handful. And if they can get Billy Van Apolo back at the back of that pack, fit and doing what he does best. Exeter may well fall at the final hurdle here, but they've got a hell of a track record in the Premiership so far. So you never know. We could see Exeter lift their first and second titles in Premiership history in consecutive years. Jen also asks, has this weekend restored faith in English rugby? So I think this is a little bit of a jab with all the Irish success in the Champions Cup. I know Hairside Munster are doing very well and Leinster are looking like they're going to dominate that position. Um, as for restoring faith in English rugby after the Six Nations and after the Champions Cup, uh, for me, not significantly. There's still plenty of issues in the English game, one of which is going to be the, uh, the the lack of youngsters coming through, getting actual game time after putting in really impressive performances in the under-20s. I think there's a few things that need correcting in English rugby at the moment. A few things we need to maybe steal from the Irish model, from the All Blacks model, to try and perfect things. But um, then again, it's easier easier said than done. It's tough to use the Premiership as a barometer for how well English sides and England rugby as a whole are doing. I think really we're not going to see if there's any improvement until the summer. See how these English players react in the Tour de South Africa because they are going to be resurgent. So let's see how that goes. Let's see how the Champions Cup goes next season. And then I think we'll know just where English rugby is going. Okay, so our next question comes from William Kajani. He asks, who's put their hand up for an England spot? 
So for me this week, you're looking at Beno Urbano and Alec Hepburn on the loose head and perhaps Alice Genge, but he was already in the setup, but he's looking strong. He's looking back to his best now. Um, Jack Willis, also from Wasps, he was playing on the blind side at the weekend, but he really is an open side, I think. He's got some serious dominance in the contact area and he's looking brilliant at the turnover. He's getting a really nice wide start. He's getting on that ball and he's turning plenty of ball over. I think he could well be on, on that play in the summer to SA. Elliot Daly at 13. Now, obviously, he's already in the England squad, but for me, he he's really putting his hand up to play outside centre. His distributing game, his kicking game, his attacking game was really good at the weekend. Having him in at 13, he's got such a wide skill set. He's just a rounded player. I think perhaps if he had him at 13, or maybe even 15 as I prefer, he could have more involvement and maybe create a little bit more magic for England. From Exeter's ranks, I think Johnny Hill in the second row has put his hand up. I think genuinely he is looking like he could be on the plane. Alex Ozowski in the centres, he's looking like he might well be going on to to doing to, to uh, South Africa ahead of someone like Henry Slade or Piers Francis. Um, he's got some serious wheels. He's amazing in the contact area, and he can work as that second playmaker. I think he's a man that might have jumped up the England pecking order after this weekend. So another man from Exeter ranks. I think Joe Simmons, the fly half, he's looking pretty good. He's looking impressive uh, for me. I reckon it's between him and Mark and Smith who's going to go there as a third 10, or maybe Jones will take both and not cap one of them. But um, he's a man I'd like to see on that tour within the setup. Okay, so uh, Paul Roberts asks, uh, what do you make of Dai Young's comments about the wage cap hurting wasps? Is there any truth in it or is he just belly aching? For my money, <laughs> he's just belly aching. Um, it does annoy me when they say it's hurting the premiership, the cap, especially when you look at Wasps. You look at the amounts of expensive first team is he's got in that back line. I think Dai's just belly aching here, and it's a little bit annoying because he should be blooding more of the, ta- the talent in the academy to make sure Wasps' performances are sustainable over the next few years. At the moment, there is a little bit of, of the feel of throwing cash at that back line, which means they're not necessarily stable if you were to lose most of those players in that back line. So uh, I think really that's uh, a little bit short-sighted of Dai to, uh, to, to say that. So usually I'm a massive fan of his, but I wasn't really a fan of that in the week. Okay, so we'll go over one more question before we get on the show. Matt Bardell asks, is Lazowski England's long-term 13? So I covered this briefly earlier. Um, I'm not, I don't think he's a long-term 13, uh, potentially a 12 yeah, he definitely needs to be uh, in the mix in those senses. We'll call it a wrap there with that last question. Um, yeah, we'll be back same time next week, uh, calling Sunday evening for you guys to listen on your morning commute on the Monday. Uh, let us know uh, what you think on the podcast, on, on Twitter, on social media. You can find us at underscore Crashball Rugby or myself at, at Ali Stokes Rugby on Twitter or, uh, yeah, just Crashball Rugby on Facebook and Instagram. So thanks for listening, folks. Remember to hit that subscribe button so you can receive the podcast every week. And uh, we'll see you next Monday.